You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey y'all, my name is Shan. Welcome to Cozy Room Podcast. This is a series for Black fathers because Black fathers matter. Black fathers matter to me. Black fathers matter to my children. Black fathers matter when it comes to my brothers, um, my mentors, my friends. They matter because they set the tone for who our children look up to. They set the tone for how men, women, children, and other elderly people feel protected, feel like, you know, everything they've struggled for was for a good cause because they've seen who they've become. And I want to, um, I don't know, I just want to shine a light on them and hear from them in a perspective that sometimes goes unheard because no one cares to ask. Sometimes people look at fathers as if, oh, that's nothing. They're supposed to do that. Why would we, you know, thank you for doing something you're automatically supposed to do? You shouldn't look for any, you know, praise or any uh, thank yous for that. That's standard. That's the basics. You know, do what you're supposed to do. But when you have a father that's there, that's consistent, that's uh, available, that's attentive, that's caring, that's thoughtful versus an absent father versus a father that thinks his life and his now is more important than the child's future. Um, there's a difference. There's a clear difference. And I just want to show appreciation. So uh, this series, I've interviewed many, many fathers from different places, different backgrounds. And I really just want to pick their brains with different questions. So um, thank you for listening to Cozy Boom Podcast, and I hope you enjoy. Got another one. Lamar, I woke you up on a Saturday morning. I had to, though. West Coast meets the South. I had to um, I had to get Dear Fathers on here. Your platform is a great platform. You guys, please look up Dear Fathers on IG. Uh, the podcast is great. If you know any fathers, introduce them to the podcast. Follow the podcast. Subscribe. And just really dig in deep on the different experiences and what Dear Fathers is really out here trying to do for fatherhood and it was only right that I got them on here and uh, Lamar shares his experiences growing up 
his experience as a father and his plan to combat, you know, this narrative that society tries to push. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Peace. Hey, hey, it's Anya Dula, and I am the host of Intercultured with Anya Dula. Intercultured with Anya Dula is a podcast that focuses on motherhood, culture, birth work, and travel. And it's just a place for women to come together to discuss our philosophies on motherhood, to discuss our work and birth work, if that's what we do, but mainly to bring women of all different cultures together so that we can talk about how we mother, how we hashtag do motherhood so that we can learn from one another and learn to love each other. That's really what it's all about. I hope you'll join us. Intercultured with Anya Dula podcast is available on all the major podcast stations. I hope you'll join us. Can't wait to connect. Here we go. Back to the show. Back to the show. Any questions? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm free game for this. Okay. All right. So this is episode 21 of Cozy Moon Podcast. And this is the Black Fathers Matter series. And we have Lamar from Dear Fathers. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been listening to your podcast for about, I want to say two months. And oh, yeah? Dope. Yeah. I, the reason why I like it is because you really, like, dig into creating a different story for fathers, especially Black fathers. Because I don't think, right. I don't think a lot of fathers get the space to change the narrative so the fact Mm -hmm. that you're always like talking to different fathers and digging into like different topics is kind of refreshing from always hearing about women talk about the fathers of their kids or um you guys just being in the background as you exist but you're not talking Mm -hmm. about fatherhood so I just want to say uh, thank you for yeah. creating a platform that shows fathers. No, for family. sure. Yeah. yeah, and that's pretty much the objective. Um, I mean, we, we kind of do like, I guess, I don't know if you want to say celebrity or, you know, whatever, but just like, you know, people with a name, so to speak. But typically when they do interviews, um, it's really, it's usually geared towards their careers or their professions. So, you know, we just wanted to, we we noticed that, you know, some of our favorite celebrities, we never hear them talking about being fathers or parents. Um, people never ask those questions. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to kind of, we wanted to change that because obviously the narrative of Black fathers is like a negative thing. So we were like, hey, in order to change the narrative, we need to create like media and create a buzz around and ask them about those things because <clears throat> everyone, every parent loves to talk about their kids, whether they're you know, they spend a lot of time with them, a little or whatever it may be, they love it. And we noticed that we usually set up interviews with them for around 30 minutes. But once we get on a call with them, it goes about an hour and a half. Um, and it's just, you know, you know how it is as a, as a parent. Like you can't really, 
contained. You just get to talk and the conversation goes when you're talking about like your kid, it's your life. So right. um, we really want to like share those stories from like men, um, celebrities, all of that, just kind of tell those stories that people don't never get to hear about, you know, celebrities or just men in general. Like you said, like people just don't, men don't usually don't ask men about their kids. It's typically they ask the women to go in depth about you know being a mom so that's really was this but thank you for listening to that it was dope too. yes i don't know what's your favorite um, episode the one where you guys are talking about the event when you did um all the dads to come to the park mm-hmm. that yeah, one yeah. because um yeah. i think it's just it makes for me as a mom it makes me feel good that like dads are proud to be within their fatherhood um but i've never seen like on a widespread a bunch of dads come together you know for the sake of being fathers with their kids so that was being fathers yeah yeah that's good (laughs) yeah so my first question for you is a fill in the blank being a father is special to me because Being a father is special to me because, well, I realized that um, being a father to me is special because I realized that I basically have a chance to, uh, I have an imprint or have a chance to kind of, I guess, narrate or kind of almost control the future. Like I, I, I think, I think often um, about the fact that, you know, that we're raising humans like really like people to be people into in the society and obviously for the future so i think about that and i'm proud to kind of just be able to um basically put out a, a product of me like going forward you know so i just think about that often so that makes me proud just to know that like um i can change you know things while i'm here and while mm-hmm. i'm gone i can kind of still kind of you know leave them with gems and leave them with you know um much life lessons and how to be good people um, so yeah, that's I think that's the you know, like proudest part for me. Mm. And it's exciting to see like a little piece of like your personality into your kids because it's kind of like they are pieces exactly. of you, but they're not you. So um, yeah, yeah, that's that's why like, that's what made me realize. Yeah, that's what made me realize that like even without really like focusing on like you know giving them things or like put uh pouring into them they're just taking it so you know just being conscious of it and it makes me think more often of just like what am i giving them like what am i uh like presenting to them what was they seeing from me so um like with them and everything that they repeat and, and you know in the way that they act and obviously my kids look like me so the way that they look it's like it's a you know it's just a reminder every day that you know you you're 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 creating like a person for a society whether you whether you like it or not Mm -hmm. so i i mean for me i the type of person that i am i really um i'm really big on like you know just being the best person you can and just being a good person so i always want to you know it's not a lot of good people in the world so for me i always if i can you know have any input or hand in anything i want to make sure like the tool that i'm leaving behind or you know good people so i'm doing my part i guess you could say mm. yeah and being that example is super important are you where are you originally from 
I'm from I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, St. How, Louis. How many kids you got? <laughs> I have two daughters, two uh, and eight. He's like me. The struggle. <laughs> mm-hmm. The struggle. Girl <laughs> game. Oh yeah. man. Okay. So we're gonna uh, go back. We're gonna go back with you. Um, what was growing up with your father like? Growing up with? Uh, well, I didn't. I mean, I guess thing like my dad, my mom, and dad weren't together, and I grew up. So uh, I guess like I don't know how often it was, but I would go and kind of meet with my dad. Uh, my mom would take me to like my grandma's house and kind of meet with my dad sometimes. But I really don't have like any memories or like stories or something mm-hmm. so like I always kind of talk about like not really having a relationship with my dad but like I know him so it wasn't like you know mm-hmm. I you know he walked out and I didn't know about him or know of him um I just believe that like he didn't know like I think since he didn't have a dad he just didn't have the examples or even uh, the, the tools to kind of even think about trying to figure out how to do it mm-hmm. and so you know him just being present was all that he kind of knew and he would just be around and sometimes and so I would go and visit him but we really we we didn't have a relationship we didn't talk we and I didn't I didn't learn anything from him like just looking back really was the reason why we started Dear Fathers is because, you know, I kind of looked up and me and my friend, we we would go back and forth, which is the co-founder um, of the co-founder. We, we used to go back and forth like through our 20s and just be jokingly. So it would just be things like, um, you know, hey, um, you know how to change a tire? Or, you know, can you come help me? And it's just like, no, I, I can't. Um, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a dad, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a joke. Like, you know, we were kids and just like joking. And we would always yeah. make that little joke for years. And as we got into our 30s and, I, you know, I had my kids. And then we was just like, I think it's like last year sometime. And we were just like really not even funny. Like it's just been a joke for so long. But mm-hmm. we really don't know how to barbecue or, you know, change these tires or you know different things that you know most people would kind of pick up from their fathers or some type of male figure and so that was the whole reason for creating a platform but um yeah I mean my relationship with them I can't even say I have one even to this day I call them you know for Father's Day or his birthday and um that's about it I don't (laughs) I don't really I can't I can't even lie and say I have too much I have some memories like I remember going and I'm a sneaker collector, so I remember going and picking up some new Air Jordans and mm-hmm. and uh, getting on the bus and because he didn't have his driver's license. But outside of that, I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know much. I don't really have anything. So where did you pick up like your idea of what father you wanted to be? But um, when you came to that, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I honestly, when I had my first kid at uh, 23, I, I, I don't know, I just, I, I love, I like the idea of, of having a, a kid, um, and just, I think, I don't really know, I think every, I think it really came from um, maybe just like, you know, TV shows and everything that we watch, I I used to be a fan of um, um, Smart Guy, you know, where yeah. I was raising the three kids. 
And um, I was a fan of Sister Sister, you know, and they had their dad in their life and obviously their mom as well. And then, you know, the, the basic ones, um, Fresh Prince and um, Family Matter. So we're, you kind of seeing these dads um, daily. We've seen yeah. black men being dads. And so I like to just credit that to like, you know, um, sitcoms and television shows because, mm-hmm. you know, that's that was the only example I had. I mean, in my neighborhood, none of my friends, dads live with them um and so outside of that I had a basketball coach that I kind of like you know gravitated towards more because it was only male figure um and it's me and his son are best friends and so I gravitated more towards kind of you know open to just hearing what type of advice he had or whatever he was saying whenever he was speaking to his son um but yeah I just kind of like pieced everything together and kind of just took what, you know, not having anything, anything to to pull over from my dad and just start to create my own, you know, little things that we do, whether it's, you know, go to the park or go outside and play and, you know, tell stories and build tents and forts and, you know, whatever it is that I kind of pop into my mind. And even I credit a lot of this to like the internet and, you know, even running our platform, I'm learning a lot from these dads, whether I'm just like digging those stories up or, you know, doing interviews with them or whatever, I'm learning like different things to do, different ways to approach or talk to our kids. We do like mental health events with uh, men, like I think it's like every month. And so we have like a therapist come in and we hear from all guys from different areas, different cities and states, even other countries um, who kind of just, you know, we it's just an open like dialect. So we all just kind of talk about our experience and everybody gives advice. So I'm learning a lot on on fatherhood from these people. And some people are younger to 25 to like 55 in here. So um, yeah, I really credit a lot of it now in my later stage of being fatherhood is that from just, you know, the community from online, people are teaching a lot, showing examples, doing what they're doing with their kids. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna try that. That's good. Sometimes it's better to piece together your father figure in your mind mm-hmm. and 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 in the physical than to pick up the scraps of what you got left. So um exactly. And that's also and I think good. we all do that. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I say I think we all do that, right? Subconsciously, whether it's mom or dad, mm-hmm. um, just parenting in general, we just take what we like or what we maybe you know maybe we we didn't like that we got whoopings right when we were younger and we may not want to incorporate that into our parenting skills so um we just do different things and I think whatever works for you I realize that since there isn't any playbook or rule book to this like it's really about you know what works for you and your family mm-hmm. uh, and you know you, you create your own legacy your own family so you have to do what you're comfortable with doing uh, you know it can't really get too set on what society is kind of doing, you know, because society will kind of make you feel like, you know, whether you're not doing enough, right. or sometimes they may make you feel like you're doing too much. So, yeah. Um, what, yeah. So, you know. I like the person, fact that um, you chose different. So, like, let's say that your dad didn't have a dad, and your dad became a dad but he chose mm-hmm. not to be the difference of who his dad was and chose the easy route right. of not doing enough. And still to this day, you have the mm-hmm. space to do more um, and you, you still don't want it, but you chose to completely come back 
what the, you know what type of father you had and be involved and uh i think we need more right. fathers that want to be involved despite what you know they had grown up so thank you for doing that no thank you thank you no i and i i mean i i think that's a, a big thing too it's just like changing like the generational curses obviously like you said i mean it's it's way easier to just pass down what you know and sometimes i feel i do feel like i'm not doing enough not based on what i see other people doing but just i never want my kids to feel like you know my dad was just around but he yeah i didn't learn anything i can't tell you anything you know so um i think we do i, I love having the internet because you you do get to kind of read up on stuff and kind of get to see examples and just you know, you can do a lot more researches and, and just different things to learn and figure out how this thing works. I mean, I really don't, for a long time, I had like a beef with my dad in my head. Mm -hmm. um, but then I, I kind of, you know, spoke with my mom like sometime, like maybe two years ago, and I was just telling her, my dad, like, just kind of like how I told you, I don't really care much about him really like that. And uh, she was just like, you know, she was just kind of going in, but I was telling her like, kind of at the end of the conversation we were basically I was basically like you know he knew what he knew um he had he had the choice to you know change it but he didn't have the resources I mean I, at this point I really feel like I'm bailing him out mm -hmm. but at the end of the day me being mad and holding any type of ill will towards him now it doesn't it, it doesn't do anything for me and I'm trying to love right. up and be in a different place as a dad you know for, for me and my kids and my family so I don't really want to be holding all these grudges or whatever mm -hmm. uh, so yeah I've just taken a step back and looking at it like you know how would he have known how to be a dad you know what resources what tools and even in those times people didn't even shun people for walking out of their kids life mm -hmm. um, it was like a common thing in the 80s right like 90s early 90s like it was just dads it's the crack era like dads just, just weren't present whether they were dead in jail or just didn't want to be there um so and even the talking to my mom her her deal was that uh she it, it just wasn't working for her she didn't you know they didn't work so it wasn't like it was really up to him if if he had it his way i believe he would be at the house with me um i don't know if it would have changed anything like as far as like me learning from him but um, I do know that it was her decision to part ways and it wasn't like he just walked out, right? So um, I'm not mad at him. I just know that, you know, they were limited resources and, you know, it's just what sometimes yeah. life is. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> you can't force anybody to want something they don't want. But um, exactly. just, just live. <laughs> Do you feel appreciated um, as a dad from your girls? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's. I mean, when you ask that, it's it, obviously pre appreciation comes in all sizes, different shapes, and everything. So, uh, from just walking in the door and my youngest just doing the daddy dance and singing, and you know, daddy kind of like daddy's home, daddy's home. <laughs> uh you know those small just little wins are just perfect right um you know the fact they kind of let you know the effect you left you leave on your kids every day mm -hmm. um and even to, just to my oldest you know she's about to be nine and she just comes in and you know she's more like me just quiet and trying to chill so 
She just like, you know, want to hug up on me and just lay up under me. And again, I appreciate it because at this time, I, I feel like with her, she's going into another stage of her life. Like she has a cell phone and she's, you uh, know, watching TV shows on her phone and yeah. Disney Channel and things like that. So I don't want to, I don't want to kind of be like weird with her and be like, put your phone down, come here, you know, like mm-hmm. this, because I understand she's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is scary to me because I have a younger sister and her dad, we have different dads, but her dad wasn't present either. So, I mean, with that, I think about, you know, not me as a man, not knowing what a dad looks like and then not even knowing what it looks like for a girl to be raised by a man. So I always think about, you know, what do women go through? And I'm I'm taking a lot of notice now, um, you know, it's with it from birth right so it's it's with the doctors aren't um caring and taking care of black women um during pregnancy um as they do with the white um and so from the beginning of of life like you're already as a black woman not appreciated so uh it's just scary to me to, to know that you know she's about to enter in this obviously she's gonna have the cycle you got all this stuff coming up and boys and blah 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 so if she, you know, I just, I appreciate her just coming in and just laying on me, letting me know, like, hey, dad, you know, this, I just, you know, my little one to jump all on my neck and hug on me and hang and do all of that. So, you know, I, I can't expect that from her at nine, at eight, but, um, you know, whenever she do come in and, you know, I just tell you I love you and just whatever randomly, I do appreciate those little proud dad moments. Um, like in live time, obviously throughout the years, there have been different things, but like, as of today, those are the things that kind of make my heart like kind of, you know. Smile. Have you ever asked Have your sister that? like, you know, around your daughter's age, like, what did she need from her dad at that time? I've never asked her that. No, um, that's a good question. I think uh, I felt always, and it, it's funny because I it, now that we're older, I mean, I think she she's twenty nine and uh, I'm thirty two, so I think now. I'm more open to even having these conversations because I don't even, again, I didn't even, I told you, me and my friends, we really didn't even know it was an issue or even really anything was going on in our our heads, like, based around this topic. Um, we just, you know, it was the normal in our neighborhoods and society that dads just weren't there. So it wasn't really a big deal. But um, that's a good question. I, 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 I don't know if she will remember, like, what she needed but it's definitely a good conversation to have with her um you know we can kind of trade we kind of trade stories on how like you know you know why or um you know how do we feel like like not why have not having a dad kind of put us or why we do certain things like in life so it may be um oh yeah you know I don't know how to love a man or I don't know even know how to treat a man or or how to act around a man you know now as an adult or a woman and she's single and she has a son and you know it's you know those things really carry over I mean obviously it's life and you have to learn those things as you go but you know I, I do believe that if she did have some type of an example or you know to see how 
her dad was being loved by her mom or mm-hmm. even just being around because my mom has been single so it's not like she just had a man at the house and we were yeah. kind of even taking notes on how and I mean it's the same for me I'm not even really 100% sure how to be a husband um, let alone be a dad or even just be a boyfriend so mm-hmm. you know you you know what I'm saying like it's yeah. it, it, it's hard to to when you don't have examples um, mm-hmm. it's hard to kind of yeah. Um, for me, I uh, my parents were together for 13 years, and then when I was like eight, mm-hmm. you know, they separated, and it was more so of me living with my mom, and then probably like once or twice a year I might visit my dad, but that was never consistent. And then it got to a point when I want to say I was 12, where I went to go visit him in Philly, and we spent like a week in the house together. And even though he was in the house, I didn't want to go downstairs and be in the the essence of him because I felt like I don't know you. And then I didn't even want to call him dad. So whenever like I wanted something, I would just ask for what I wanted. I'd never like give him a title or or call yeah. him out the room. And I always battled myself on like, why can't I just say it? Because in my mind, it was kind of like, he doesn't fulfill the dad role of what dads do, so he doesn't deserve it. Right. So then fast forward when I was like 18, um, when I was 18, he passed away and it was kind of like struggle because Mm. I don't know you. So, you know, to me, it's always been a loss. So today is not the day of the loss. It's been a loss. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of dads, that's going to be their outcome when they don't try. Right. No, that's, yeah, that's that's good because uh, I think that's like, I mean, I feel like that's almost like the same story for me because, like you said, it would be like every now and then, maybe twice, I mean, maybe once every two months or whatever it was when I did see him. But <clears throat> they were so short-lived and um, I was on the other side of the house and, he, you know, he would be at work and, you know, even when he was home, mm-hmm. he was kind of probably just relaxing, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't remember it being that way, like where I felt like I can't call him dad because I think I did, but mm-hmm. I do um, know that, you know, when I do take a step back or rewind things, I'm just like, wow, like, we never really just talked. We never taught me how to ride a bike or dribble a ball or, you know, anything outside. Um, so I, you know, I think overall, um, we, you know, we have a good, we, I felt like we had a good relationship until, um, like I got older and that's when I kind of realized that, you know, this, this isn't normal. I realized, um, I realized as I got older, this wasn't normal, and that's not how I want to, that's not the type of dad I want to be. Mm-hmm. I think it hit me, too. I moved to Michigan when I was 16, and then, like, just me rewinding. At the time, I wasn't thinking about it, but I asked my mom, like, a few years ago, like, you know, did my dad care or whatever that, like, we left? You know, like, what was the, you know, because I, I wouldn't go for that. I would be in court or whatever. Right. She, she was like, no, no, like, you mm-hmm. couldn't say nothing to me. 
And I was just like, I mean, I understand, I understand your side where you're like, hey, he couldn't mm-hmm. say nothing to me, but did he say something or did yeah. he try? Like, was he upset? You know, mm-hmm. and like, no, nah, you know, and I was like, okay, like, you is know, it, I, it's, it's, I, it's I don't think I ever expected. Yeah, it's a different mindset when, you know, a child wants his father and they're not there, but then to know that mm-hmm. opportunities happened that changed, and then your dad wouldn't even bother to figure out where you were or wanted to know. That's like a whole nother like hit in the chest. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Because even at the time I was uh playing I was playing basketball in school and it was funny because just kind of thinking back on it like my coach he was like you know my mom was taking a job in michigan and so my coach i was telling him like i need to transfer i gotta leave and he said um well you know you could stay with me and uh you know we'll get you flights and kind of so you can go and see your mom Mm -hmm. and i was just like i really considered it because i really wanted to stay back home in st louis and be around my friends and things like that but um I was just like, and it was, I was, it, I felt bad. Like, I felt like I had to make a man decision because I didn't want to leave my mom and sister mm-hmm. alone, moving to Michigan alone, and have to figure that out on their own. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as much as I want to stay back with my friends and family and continue to play basketball, just live my regular life, I, I couldn't do it. Like, that was really a decision I had to make at 16. And so I, you know, went to Michigan. It was one of the best decisions in my life, I feel like, but overall, I just remember at that time thinking like, this man, obviously not my dad, but my coach gave me the opportunity or even showed that he wanted me to stay, showed some type of interest in it and that's, you know, it gets deeper as as I'm older and I'm looking back like, wow, man, it's he he, he didn't have any kids, but it was Mm -hmm. just one of the things where, you know, that's probably why he did what he did, right? Yeah. He understood and kind of seen these kids without fathers. And um, I appreciate those type of, you know, little gems. It actually just made me think I need to call him. And yeah, him man. That's that good. That, that, I think coaching is beyond just like in the game. Coaching is like uh, considering being that mentor, mm-hmm. considering being like that guide. So, yeah. 100%. No, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, if I were you, I would call him and probably do like an episode with him just to see where his mind was and like all the boys that he saw over the years. Um, yeah. Coach. That's a great, that's, that's great. That's a, that's a great uh, idea actually to kind of even do like a series based on like coaches, mm-hmm. um, you know, and kind of get that, get their, their standpoint on it. So I'm going to talk mm-hmm. to my partner about that. I like that. Yeah. Um, my next question for you is, how did you feel in the delivery room with both of your kids? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, we're starting a um, we're starting a series, uh, a segment, and we're putting it out, and we're kind of, um, I guess, interviewing dads right now mm-hmm. to tell us this exact thing. It's called deliveries with dads. Yes. Um, delivery room with dads. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a little promo plug. Uh, I think in the delivery, I was telling my wife the other day, from my first child in 2011, I don't remember. I, I remember what I, only thing I remember, and I'm just going to be as raw as possible, is I remember holding the baby, 
and mm-hmm. just like getting super emotional because uh, she looked just like me. It felt like I was like looking in the mirror. So I was like, oh, wow. like it felt it felt so like surreal. Like I'm like, like you know, like that was emotional, and I remember like just tearing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it was like kind of more graphic side because I kind of like turned around. They were cleaning up, and I just, I just these are the two things that stuck with me that further. So that part, just seeing the life like in my hands, and then just like remembering that this was a whole like just thinking about what all the the woman goes through like mm-hmm. um, through this like you know like she's being sold up doing X Y and Z. Um, obviously, she's delivered, but it it was. It, one of the things that leave a mark on me because, and this is like further out of the conversation, not so much fatherhood, and I guess technically it is, but my appreciation for like, I, I've seen women like kind of go back and forth for mm-hmm. me and saying like, they don't like stretch marks or whatever the case may be. And um, my appreciation for it because of obviously I've gotten life out of it and what we, you know, you guys sacrifice as women um, it's like, you know how we don't have to go through that so how can we even be picky or you know like what would we do in that case um if we had to you know carry a kid or even you know deliver one so that's my first experience with the kid but the second <clears throat> was um it was interesting I, I think uh overall it was um memorable because this time around i'm you know i don't know this time around, I was 30. Um, I was 23 my first time. So I'm 30. I'm older. I'm married. Um, you know, so this time around, things are different. Like, I'm feeling like I've been here before, right? Like, I'm feeling like a vet now and things like that. So um, I wasn't as nervous. Um, and I did feel like, you know, the coaching part for me was whatever. Like, I'm you got it pushed and things like that. But it, it those things are... Um, I think, and I recorded it, so I was more comfortable, like, kind of recording during the process. Mm-hmm. I had my yeah. wife's um, best friend on the FaceTime, and I'm kind of, like, multitasking and getting everything going. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, it was just one of them things. And then even before that, I was in the living room with my sister when she had her son. So <clears throat> this time, like I said, this time around, I felt like, you know, I kind of got this covered. I, but uh, uh, they're always an experience because, it's a little life changing, right? You know, you get to see these little human beings coming into the world <clears throat> with not knowing what's what's up next. So uh I don't I can't really get too in depth because I it's really everything's kinda of blurring together. <clears throat> everything's blurring together for me, but you yeah. Know, that delivery I'm interested to hear people's story though. We just started, we literally just launched this um this week so i'm interested to start reading these stories that people um, that's good i um was just talking to someone i was interviewing a dad and i was like you know what i would want to see i want to see the male perspective of um their birth story so like from the preparation Mm -hmm. to like where your mind is at closer to the delivery what are you doing to prepare mentally physically emotionally uh, what are your thoughts, you know, yeah. during the different stages of the labor and just afterwards? Because I feel like right. if more dads see that, yeah. or single men see that that have kids, they'll understand 
the appreciation of their child's mother, mm -hmm. their understanding, the appreciation of their child's life, and the fact that they are involved enough or not involved enough. So um, that's yeah. good that you're doing that. Yay! No, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think you know just just all of that time from start to finish, you know, just kind of hanging out on the couch and uh, just remembering that the couches were too small and uncomfortable um, and just running and get ice and, you know, just the whole little spill. Just, I remember just texting. I had my laptop in there and just kind of like doing work. You know, it's a waiting game really mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and just trying to cater to her to, to, you know, just make sure that she has everything, you know, kind of take the classes beforehand so you kind of know what you should be asking or what you should be doing but I have a friend who and a partner who's actually on the team and he has he's doing something like it's, I think it's with the re, reproduction uh, reproductive something mm -hmm. just for whatever so um, they really hone in and he's been telling us a lot about you know the, the death rates and everything with women and stuff like that and even so we're coming up with a playbook for dads uh, currently we're coming up with a playbook for dads you know for delivery so like it's just like you know, you know things to ask the doctor um, during um, labor you know to just you know as far as blood pressure things like that mm -hmm. um, you know and just the, the dad being more in tune obviously the mom's going to be out of it so yeah. we're just want to come up with this little playbook so that you can as a dad you can do everything that <clears throat> you can do to make sure that you know she's getting everything she needs and they're doing their job because um, in, the, in that time like you're the only one who's you know sometimes the mom is drugged up or whatever so you're the only one in the right state so we want to make it a team thing and they usually they, they typically look at the men to not know anything to not know what's yep. going on so and even and even with that though you know even for men they just expect the black people in general to not know what's going on so they can just do or say whatever so we're really trying to equip the man with these things to go in and just be, you know, geared yeah. and ready for to make sure their family returns back home. So especially so um, knowing your state laws with the hospitals, because some states are allowing married couples where the man can stay while they're getting the epidural. And some states is mm -hmm. just like you have to get out. But the yeah. thing with when they're giving the epidural yeah, is they have two doctors on the side to make sure <clears throat> they're, you know, um, legally backed that they did the right thing. So why can't that mother that's right. in labor be legally backed to have someone that can see that the doctors are Somebody putting in that needle right? Because, you know, one shift and she paralyzed. Yeah. Um, so that's important yeah. to know. So I like the fact that you're doing that. That's good. Yep. Yep. I mean, he, <clears throat> I don't know if, if we're getting that in depth, but I think that's a good point, too, that, you know, just knowing your state laws um, for that reason, because even you just brought that up, I didn't, I, they told me I needed to leave. But mm. again, I mean, it, it, it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big deal because I was, it wasn't like pushing it was, you know, anything like that. It, like, it was about to technically numb or whatever. So I'm just like, all right, whatever, you know. But the fact that you bring it up now, it just kind of makes it, you know, more, it just makes you say, hmm, because it makes me think now that you're right. We, anytime they inject in a stick in, we should definitely be able, and that's my wife, right? I should be yeah. able to, um, 
know what's going on. Like, you know, who are you guys? And like you said, so that's that's interesting. I mean, obviously it's nothing we can do, but just to be able to be prepared and know what to look for and know what to you know, check for when you come back in the room, you know, because if that's the law, it's the law. But we need to, you know, kind of be um, informed on that stuff. And that's why um, the the need for doulas are going up because I think doulas give <clears throat> moms and parents the freedom to uh, say how they want their child to come into the world without the Western medicine telling you, you need these drugs, you have to do this. And just controlling that birth yeah. experience is super important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I, I have seen the increase in number of even I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or if this is just a thing, but I'm hearing a lot about the doula and this, uh, the topic is being talked about a lot mm -hmm. um, now. So you're right. I am. Uh, I am hearing a lot about it. And I, it's increasing. I think you can have a doula, whether you're married, single or whatever, um, yep. and having a kid. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good uh, point there. Mm -hmm. My next uh, question for you is, can you give four facts about being a great dad? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's, it gets tricky because as much, confidence, as much confidence as I have and like, you know, that I'm not being a bad dad. Um, I don't know. I just always feel like it's room to be better, right? It's just to do better. Um, but to be a great dad, so I, I don't really want to say I'm that. Um, but I mean, the four things that I would say that I practice so that I can become that mm -hmm. is, um, you know, just like you just like kind of listening to your kids and what they're saying, um, even if you know she's two years old and. <clears throat> she's just putting words together and just saying whatever yeah. um they just want to feel hurt um i mean uh, i can only speak for girls because i don't you know if the boys kind of react the same way yeah. <laughs> but uh you know they ramble and they're talking and they're obviously talking for a reason so you want to just make sure you're listening and even if you just just respond even if you're not really paying attention just make sure you respond to them so they feel like they're being heard um the other would uh probably be um just to just do things with them you know a lot of times we have a lot going on you know yeah um, so just kind of clear some time out of your day to just get be creative or just do something whether it's I play Uno or I do drawing with my kids or build blocks and um, make a fake voice to play puppets with, you know, the kid and just whatever, you know, just yeah. different things. Um, I would say, what else? Oh, I like to do different things too, just kind of like, um, I guess it's like more like intimate where it's like memorable. So mm -hmm. I do try and do like family, uh, like photo shoots um if you've seen i kind of did one with the girls for father's day and just things that they'll be able to like first one like remember you know and then i have them doing their own little shoots and you know in front of the camera and kind of just posing and having fun um, for confidence building <clears throat> but just do little things that's going to be memorable for them um and obviously with these you can do it, do it now and kind of have it for the future um 
but those, and then I would say for four will probably just be um, as as a because uh, then even for like uh, my my oldest, she had um, a different mom, so just showing you know respect or just like love, you know, just showing a good example, you know, towards towards uh, your kid's mom, you know, so. You always want to make sure that uh, they got a good example of what love looks like to the um, to, to to mom, so that you know they know what to do or know how to act. And uh, as they do get older, and, <clears throat> and they you know they don't they don't ever feel like it's a a, a war or a pick a side, mm-hmm. you know anything like that. Again, all of this is trial and error. Um, I don't know if any of this works once they're old enough to tell me at 30 and tell me, hey, nah, you didn't do good. Um, so, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I just think I'm saying, right, hopefully they don't say it, but you know, that's why I say, like, I can't really say, like, to be a great dad because mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, I gotta get, I gotta get, I'm waiting on my report cards to come in later <laughs> on. So, you know, we'll see how, how it goes. Um, I think I think you, no, I, I think dads see if they did it the right way by who their daughters bring to meet them. I yeah, think, I, I see. I <clears throat> no, I wouldn't. I'm never. I'm not the type of person though, to do. I'm not gonna put stuff out of my control mm-hmm. um, on me. So I don't do that. Like I, even if you know. I said something I just can't I can't carry the burden of like your your life decision mm-hmm. um on me so mm-hmm. I, I nope I can't say it I wouldn't be like hey that's what she brought home I, I showed her that mm-hmm. I can't see that being the case because yeah you like who you like who you like and a lot of women um and men choose you know some want the opposite of you know who they dad or mom yeah. is you know uh, with um, girls I so, think um, because I've seen friends who had like both their parents and like great parents, right? Some yeah. girls, the more you are like very on them, so they do it the right way, they purposely mm-hmm. go the left way because they want to know what you're hiding. Exactly. They want to know what you've been like. Exactly. Shooting them away from. So exactly. I think it's always good to show them, tell them, and then release them, and then reel them back in, show them, tell them, and release them until you feel like, yeah, exactly. until you feel like, oh, you're, you're, you're good. Like, you're okay. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, well, and I guess, too, I guess personally or overall, even though you know we kind of telling them what we think they should date or we even kind of giving off this imagery of like what a husband should look like for you as you go out in the world i think um, who i am today is totally different from obviously who i was at 16 and 18 and 20. so um when she does bring home this guy that i don't approve of Uh and i'm 45 Again, that's probably just me. That guy is just me at 16, 17, you know, 18. So it's like, um, yeah, I don't like him, but he can change. You know, he will change. Um, 
hopefully you picked up on the signs of, you know, I, my biggest thing is just that these guys aren't like abusive verbally, physically. Listen, when I tell you, I said, please let there be a parent raising their son a different way because I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, mm -hmm. keep my hands to myself. <laughs> Because this exactly. just... no, I know. Mm. I don't know. That's the biggest thing, and I, I mean, I, I don't like to sound like you know, like the OG, uh, because I, I want to kind of save that for my gray beard, gray hair days. But um, <laughs> it, it's just like uh, you know, these guys will, you see it a lot. They, they're talking and just doing whatever. I mean, it, obviously, we're just looking at what's going on now. They throw a girl in the trash can and. One guy hit a girl with a skateboard and, you know, and it, it's just, it's too much. And so that's, that's the thing that worries me the most about like raising women is just like, I know, I know how women love um, and how much they, they love love. Yeah. So you could just be love is blind, right? So you kind of get blinded by that and, um, and kind of just put up with whatever or take whatever. So uh -huh. that's the biggest thing i just want to make sure that you know they know they don't have to deal with that they don't have to uh, mm -hmm. put up with anything if they don't like it um, but outside of that i'm just trying to let them learn and freestyle and figure this out on their own because uh -huh. unless they ask me for advice i don't think i'm just going to be like giving it to them just because oh when i was a kid i knew x y and z um i want them to be able to learn um you're gonna have to fall down and uh -huh. uh, things like that. So, like I said, unless they, I'm not stepping in unless I feel like I see them being abused. Or... So, so let's slide into the next question. Who is a part okay. of your dad support? My dad support? Yeah. So, like, are, do you have like a group of dad friends that you use as like supportive team to your dad life, mm -hmm. or is it like one person? Like who supports yeah. you? Uh, yeah, uh, the dad support. I would typically, I probably just uh, overall think when I first got started because I was the first of all my friends to to have a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I would just talk to my mom about it, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And because uh, obviously, no dad, no no men in my life would kind of was there you know i felt comfortable with just asking about certain anything as far as concerning man stuff but um yeah my mom was the first but now it's more um all my friends who have kids um and like i said a lot of it is online with just you know the best part about you know um social media and things is you get to see your friends or even just associates with people you've grown up with kind of raising their kids um and you can just always ask questions um and so i use that a lot just you know taking from that because people are like you know even in um, quarantine and just kind of coming up with games learning games and things like that so i i'm very observant so um i'm watching that i'm like okay i can do that in our you know learning time when we doing creative stuff we can read we can doing math games and <clears throat> so I, I would just say my 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 dad's circle would just be my friends my friends yeah it would just be my friends because I think overall um it's always been that like even without kids that's been my my they have been my dad's circle like that we we just kind of bounce the ideas off each other and give each other 
um, ideas on or uh, advice on just how to like navigate through life without you know well because we were just all piecing it together piecing things together well what should we do what should you do or something where we would be asking our dad or talking to our dads about we um we're just kind of giving each other advice at 14 15 12 whatever it is um and it's just always been us you know and these the friends that i have now are the friends that i had since i was eight years old so we've just kind of been doing this like the whole time that's good that you guys keep in touch yeah yeah my best friends yeah <laughs> uh what does decompressing for you look like these days with the the outside climate well it's a it's funny i mean that's a funny question because it's really not nothing nothing has really changed for me i think um yeah during quarantine because i work from home so during quarantine i've kind of i feel more caged in because uh i have more time to think of ideas mm -hmm. but the ideas that i'm coming up with are outside ideas and i typically don't do that so i'm like coming up with events and different things and kind of gathering with dads and things like that yeah. but <clears throat> I'm like, wow, we can't even do this. Like, but I know, and that now is a perfect time. Mm -hmm. So, like, typically, I'm not the event or going out or party or, I mean, I may go on vacation or whatever just to go visit my family and things. But basically, I'm never like that guy. So I, I, I really feel like you know, quarantine was the thing. I'm, my kids are home, wife is working and coming home, and. Um, you know, I'm home. So like I can still go to the grocery store. Um I could go on a run or a walk or whatever, uh, drive around, like things like that or just have just been, you know, just what I do daily. So decompressing though for me, I think just kinda like my favorite thing to do, whether quarantine or not, is just like binge watching shows and just watching shows. I love I keep up with a lot of shows and uh it may not necessarily be the most like popular shows, but you know, you like what you like. Um, and that's just kind of what it would look like for me if I could just a decompressing day would just be me kind of relaxing, watching my favorite shows. And, um, and I can't stop working. So I'm usually just like browsing uh, the internet, trying to come up with different this strategies. Is, I, uh, <laughs> when I sit and I watch things, I can't just watch something. So. Uh, my favorite mm -hmm. thing right now is Prime. Prime has some great movies, oh, yeah. shows, documentaries. Yeah. And while I'm watching mm -hmm. stuff, I'm, I have to take notes. Like I have to write down that's, that's after good. a notepad. That's a good, um, good habit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I got to fill in the blank know. for you. Apologizing What's to... Real quick, what's your uh, favorite show to watch that has been since quarantine? Like, have you been watching anything? Or, or? Um, I binge watched Tales from the Loop. Hmm. So basically, that's a, a show on Prime where it's this mm -hmm. town and every episode goes into detail of a certain character's background. And it's this town yeah. where random un like earth things happen 
unearthing but just mm -hmm. like it's not sci-fi but it's very like if you would have sat there and said what if this happened if this if this you went here in this forest and we can trade lives but nobody knows that you're me and i'm you because we on our outside we look the same but inside we are each other things like that happen or yeah. um you know the grandfather i don't want to tell you but it's just like man what the, what if the impossible was possible in just this one town and these things happen so is that is very yeah. like thinking out the box because growing up when i was little my favorite right. shows were like the outer limits or um uh x files like that was like okay. the shows i like to watch um yeah so. i never <clears throat> yeah i never was able to get into those but i i would i take it you're like into stranger things then yeah you um, like the stranger things uh, on netflix yeah i like that show ozarks was fantastic right. it's I another like show where um ugh. go ahead it was another show i was watching where like these people they like lived underground and they had like uh, powers. I'm not sure. I can't. I probably just make up some stuff. But uh, I think they were going like different dimensions. But I feel like that's up that same little alley. So like some stuff I can get into, but yeah. um, too much. I I I love watching um like con artist shows, like where they're like you know you like sneaky Pete coming up with clever ways. Yeah, I love sneaky Pete. On yes, that's a good show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So those type of things where they're kind of getting super creative to try mm -hmm. and you know, weasel their way into different things. So yeah. I like that little. Speaking P is good. Um, there's a lot of just good documentaries. I love mob movies. So any mob film or mob mm -hmm. movie. Um, I don't know if you watch Ray yeah. Donovan, but I love Ray Donovan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like, like Billions. Yeah. Billions is a good show. Billions. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm all uh, over the place. Yep, even uh, Homeland, all of that. Yes, yeah. that's good too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be on that. But even still, I'm there with my notepad, thinking of like episodes to do. So <clears throat> my uh, relaxing is, is is different. <laughs> um, right. Well. Apologizing to children is important because blank. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. Let me see. Apologizing to children is important. Oh, I, I mean, I, just off the top, I believe that by apologizing to children, kind of, um, it teaches them like ownership, like to own up to what <clears throat> they've done. I feel like for the most obvious, right? That's you telling them to um, own up to what they've done and, um, you know, basically, I guess, I want to say not to be a liar, but yeah, it just, just, it just shows you to, um, you know, to, I guess it just forms of just creating or showing them how to be better people. Like, you know, always just uh, owning up to, to your things or your mistakes. So that would probably be it. Cause I've never thought about this, but that would probably be like the biggest um, lesson I could see from, yeah. from that. What, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> What's your take on that? I think we, we 
grew up with parents that were never apologized to by their parents. So then they raised us in the way with where they was like, do it because I said you need to do it. Whether we had like the right answer to what could possibly happen, they didn't care. And then my mom, my mom was usually open to a different perspective and we can show her that she's wrong, but she didn't feel like, she didn't feel like critique to the point where you're making her feel bad. And I think now we have kids that um, we are not afraid to apologize to if we're wrong. And I think it just shows that we're human. Mm-hmm. And it's super important to show them that you can apologize and it's okay and it doesn't make you a horrible person because you were wrong. And um, I don't know, it's just changing uh, the need to always be right, the need to always win the argument, uh, the need yeah. to be in your ego. Yeah, I I, I do. I, I mean, I think when you think about it that way, um, Cause I'm not like a confrontational person. So um, for me, I'm just, you know, I can't say that if I'm wrong, I'm just the first person to say I'm wrong, but I'm just not confrontational. So like if, you know, if there's something going on or um, if, if I am wrong and obviously I, if I know that, then I'll tell you like, you know, like, yeah, my bad, sorry. but yeah, I, I never thought I've never thought about that. Like you know, but I mean it makes sense because if you, a lot, of, I think I saw a quote that was like, um, some people listen to respond, and others, you know, something like listen to listen or something. So I think what that is, you know, you're trying to understand what's being said, and other than that, you're just trying to fire back and forth. You just ready yeah. to kind of have a response to it. So listening to understand um and listening to respond is totally different so um that apology thing is 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 real because i think it um it de-escalates like the the situation for lack of better words i guess because you know if if i'm apologizing for being wrong now we don't even have to go into this long drawn out um argument for the rest of the day or even just that time so and I'm just speaking in general, because like you said, I think if you if they don't know that, if they don't learn these early, they'll take it until later and just everything is, yes. you know, being defensive. So, yes. you know, that's good. That's something I hadn't even really thought I'm going to work on it a little bit more, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, what kind of legacy are you leaving for your children? Hmm. Uh, well, I'm working on trying to just leave a legacy behind. Well, for them, it's just to, um, you know, self-ownership, like um, just ownership in general, I guess. Um, confidence and uh, ownership, really. I think I want them to understand that, you know, they can um, do anything that they want and um, and that they can, like, create a, a better future, like, for you know their families and you know create a, a legacy for their for their for themselves because i think the biggest thing is you know generational um wealth and things like that for our community um it kind of stops uh you know i see the disadvantages like for us so like you know where um it i think i saw someone post the other day hey if if our 
uh, generational wealth could change just by one um, family member, uh, you know, passing down or, or just, uh, what did they say? Or investing correctly or something. But, you know, it could have just been as simple as like passing down a home or, you know, investing in something. Just all it really takes is one generation to like have a property that creates income, right? And now that you keep this in the family and now the family will just, you know, everybody can eat off of that and just grow and uh, things like that. So I just want to kind of show them those examples and hopefully that, you know, their confidence is up to where they feel like, you know, I can do whatever I want or um, anything I kind of put my mind to. And then just knowing that, um, ownership is the best thing i'm not against like nine to fives or anything so i don't i'm not trying to push against that but i think that they should know that you know they can get a piece of the pie and they don't have to go to work every day in yeah. order to to build or generate wealth you know or anything. yeah i was um i was listening to a podcast um yesterday uh that i think you would really like if you're not listening to it I'm gonna tell you the name. So I'm earn not your leisure. I didn't hear you. Is it Earn Your Leisure? No. Um, it's Eric oh, okay. Thomas's podcast called The Secret to Success. Oh. Listen. So he yeah. was on there, yeah. and um, they were talking about uh, the there's a football team owner that is stepping down you know, from ownership. Mm -hmm. And because she stepped down, they already had the process written up that it would be passed down to her daughter. So just to know, like, mm -hmm. you, you made one move, someone in your family made one right. move to own a team, and now you have wealth forever for your family, no matter what. Because yeah. once... Um, yeah. Yep. Once, you know, her daughter is done in the next 20 years, she's going to pass it down to the next person. And it's, it's processes like that, that right. keep different cultures, that keep different cultures within wealth. And it's kind of like, what do you have mm -hmm. set up right now for your family where you can consistently yep. pass it down? And um, I tweeted, I'm just like, well, if, if your goal isn't to discover, create, and build wealth for your family so they don't have to work later on unless they have to, because my thing is like, I don't wanna die and my children have to figure out life and, and work at a job that they hate before they can yeah. discover their purpose and not have to work. So um, if that's not the goal, it's kind of yeah. like, what are you doing? You're, you're working to pay bills. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and just trying as hard as possible for them to not kind of have that image burned into their minds because, you know, my mom raising me and my sister was, okay, mom's at work, right? And we were kind of pretty much out doing our own thing, kind of like fend for ourselves, um, knowing that mom was at work and obviously she wasn't in the streets doing drugs or nothing, but we knew that it was to take care of us. So, uh, to not recreate that. So overall, like you said, just kind of put processes in place. Um, I had went and got life insurance because obviously you need it, but I think um, in our community, they, you know, a lot of us 
especially at this age, black men, we don't really think the life insurance thing is a, you know, a thing really. I'm 30. I'm not about to die anytime soon, right? So I got, I took out the policy. And so, you know, it's like 25 bucks a month, you know, for half a million or something. So, you know, like these are just those, like you said, processes you put in place that just in case um, anything like that happens, that things will be taken care of on yeah, that end and um, they can kind of do what they need. That is another thing that I want to bring into conversation with my kids is like trust funds, um, having shares in companies, uh, IRA, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Thinking beyond a savings account and just having money sit there, why not have money work for you? Um, really, like, yep. instead of instead of looking for that job that I can work for, like, what, 30 years and, and have a 401k for retirement, why don't I just save my money and and put it in property and, and, and put your name on it? And it is like... Yep. People are living their retirement now while they're working, you know what I'm saying? Because they're moving Mm -hmm. their money in things that make money. And I just want it to be that and not Mm -hmm. have a savings account because a savings account, you're benefiting a bank more so than you're benefiting yourself. So um, just that conversation is important. Yeah. Um, No, yep, that's good. That's, I mean... We need that for sure. What city or you say you in Philly? I'm in Atlanta. I was uh born. Oh, you're in Atlanta. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I used to live out there in Gwinnett. What? What? Uh, what area are you in? Gwinnett. No, I'm on. I'm on the south side. I'm near uh, like Stockbridge. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I stayed out there for five years. Went to I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta. So, you know, oh, okay, yeah, I know where that's at. Yeah, and Dunwoody. Yeah. Yeah. Gwinnett is, that's a whole different battle. Mm-hmm. You do get a lot of house in Gwinnett, but that traffic is, mm-hmm. ugh. Mm-hmm. 85, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> traffic is crazy. I don't know. Um, yeah, I love, I love Georgia. <clears throat> yeah. If you can change one thing about the family court system for fathers, what would it be? I'm sorry, uh, it was breaking up when you were asking the questions. If I could change what? If you could change one thing about the family court system to help fathers, what would it be? Oh, I don't know much about it, so I can't really, you know. I'm, I'm happy you don't know much about I, it. I'm so happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think if I would, <clears throat> from what I do know, oh, I think that the dads don't have uh, just equal um, parenting rights, from what I've heard, <clears throat> just because, you know, the kid was born like you just don't have equal rights and um i think that maybe changing i don't know I, again i don't know nothing about it so you guys which is good because that's what one of the resources we want to be able to provide for um for our company is that you know dad's going through these things we want to be able yeah. to give them um 
things and people to talk to or even just some tips on what to do. So, um, yeah, yeah well, what, 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 it sounds like you have a little bit of knowledge on it. So what, what you I, um, I have knowledge on it because, uh, I've been in it for different reasons, but mm-hmm. me being a mom and being in it, I think, I wish more fathers were aware of the resources that they had and Mm -hmm. they made a Mm -hmm. conscious decision to know their state rights when they agree or disagree to be a father. Um, Or like, Mm -hmm. let's say you're a dad and then you happen to be a father to another child and that mother is like, no, I don't want you around my kid. Where do... Right. You stand as far as like your rights to that child, regardless of the fact of right. what she wants. And I think there's a lot of dads that may want that relationship with that child, but they don't know the steps to get it, or they don't um, they don't want to seem like a punk because they're in court begging to see their kid or begging to have a say. And it's I, I think a lot of great dads don't go the court route because they just don't want to come off a certain way to other people. But I think it just looks like mm-hmm. a system that's going to automatically defeat them so they don't try. And um, I would just want like, whether it's a <clears throat> law firm that specializes in helping single fathers or specializes in giving resources to fathers so they can be better fathers. I would like to see that more than let me go hire a lawyer so they could delegate money with this child and not focus on the time with this child, the quality of life with this child. And um, I just want them to feel like if they can't, you know, have a cordial, respectable relationship with the child's mother, they, the courts is not a negative aspect to them being a father. It's, a, it's like a go-to space for someone to be fair to them as a parent. Um, so that's what yeah. I would like. <clears throat> yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's definitely, I mean, who we are, though, especially as Black men, um, we don't want to go anywhere near courts, right? Overall, I think it's just a lot of that, you know, it's mental, it's a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we obviously we can talk for days about the climate and what's yeah. going on, but I think uh, a lot of that plays a part in it. So um, just be easier to kind of not for me, but because I don't have any type of background or anything like that. And as far as like you know in the system or anything, but like it may just seem easier to someone to say, "I'm avoid going to court." Mm-hmm. You know, do what you're gonna do, um, and just kind of let it play out that way. But, uh, yeah, I, no, I agree though, 100%. We definitely need more resources for the, for the dads because it does seem like, and even just from what you heard, and I know things are changing, I'm sure they already have to, um, to where, you know, dads, you know, equal rights or rights in general kind of, you know, become a little bit better because they usually just side with the mom, um, just because, or at least that's what we were told, right? So, I don't know. So, I mean, just to be able to know and uh, know the rights and know uh, 
what we can do and what we can't do would be perfect. So um, I don't know if you know any, you know, black, um, if you know any resources, definitely. I would love to kind of be able to get those up on our site and kind of let yeah. our people know that. I know Georgia has something called um, Family First, where let's say if the dad doesn't have a good relationship established with the mom of the child, they can like meet there and have like visitation or meet there and have like uh, parent counseling. Uh, to let that happen. But sometimes, let's say, if the court's ruling with the judge overtakes that communication happening, that can't happen until, you know, let's say that um, restraining order or that um, order that was set in place is over, then we can establish like another space that's safe for both parents to be with the child. So um, I know Atlanta has that. Right. Um, but it's just it's just like one of those things that there needs to be more of that because um, having the play out happen sometimes could be a play out for 10 years, a play out for 15 years, a play out until the child turns 18 and then you have no relationship. Um, so uh, I just want that to just, <clears throat> I just want them to feel like they have an equal stance in, in being a parent is not so like the mom won't let me or the mom you know that I can't like you have a say in that yeah at the end of the day the child looks at it as if like you didn't want to be there or you didn't try or I didn't see you try overall yeah. right no yeah that's that's the biggest thing you know uh we don't we try to avoid certain things and then kind of like in that trying to avoid certain things we kind of like mess up other things mm -hmm. so i don't know like if we again just going back on you know we kind of talking about it if we could get those things like you know and men are like very straightforward type of things like mm -hmm. do this to do this you know it's you know this go to court tell them this and that's what's gonna happen like or you know yeah. do this and we just need people to kind of like guide us through it to kind of make sure um, you know, we, we that's why we love, like, you know, I, mean, I guess not every man, but I love instructions, like, on, you know, um, manuals on how to put things together. So I think uh, you like to read the directions, to, yeah, because I don't want to waste no time and doing it wrong, you know. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, remember, I don't have a traditional man background because, right, obvious, right? So maybe that <laughs> helped you in that time. sense. Right, right, exactly. exactly. Right, so my, so my last question for you is, um, my number one goal for my kids is blank. Mm. My number one goal for my kids will be for them to, um, hmm. I think it would just be deeper, like, and I think it's kind of changing because of, like, what's going on. I think my number one goal for my kids would be to, um, no, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like it's not really nothing they can do, but I just don't want them to, like, feel afraid, like, or, like, you know, fear, fearful of, of, like, the world, like, we live in, you know, like, I think the goal would be, and I don't really know how to word it, but 
I think my number one goal is for them to feel comfortable. You know, if, it, it sounds like I'm feeling like I'm on some like civil rights type of 19. But it's, and you know, it's a conundrum for like black people to be like, I just want my kids to be comfortable in a world that we know we were never comfortable in. So. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's why I'm saying like it's kind of hard. Because I mean, if you ask me this, and again, it's been going on, but like if you maybe you asked me last year, I probably uh, goal is that you know my kids grow up and just you know have success with I don't know something just blanket statement. But I think overall, um, just to be you know, because that's what we fear. We fear the most is that they don't they feel like we feel right now you know like i guess like just for lack of better words we we really feel like trapped and where can we go you know i talked to my wife about um not being from here like since we're not like you know we don't have any roots to trace back like you know if if you know say just for like asian americans or um mexican americans and uh italians whatever um indians mm -hmm. They came here um, and they had to come here. When they came here, they came because they wanted a better life, quote unquote. And the requirements to get into this country for them were, you know, you had to be smart or have a lot of money, have a business, whatever the requirements were for them to get in at the time. Mm -hmm. So when they came, they came here strategically. They came because they wanted to be here, right? right. So um, they weren't like plucked. So like, they could go back home. They have roots. They can go back. They have Italian foods and Mexican foods and Indian foods and Chinese foods, right? They have this stuff. Obviously, it could be African food, but it's not, it's no such thing as an African-American. Like we, you know, and I guess I'm saying that to say like African-American is here. Like it's, it roots back to slavery. Like that's where it would start, right? American, that's African, would, that's the root of it. And so, yeah, we can tie back to Africa and see what they do, but we don't know that culture because that's not where we're really from. Like, I mean, we're from there, like with our ancestors, but like yeah. we can't return. We go back there and they really don't even accept us as like they don't accept us as, you know. Even African though Ghana is, you know, giving us like dual citizenship right now, it's kind of like mm -hmm. if I go, I don't know what I'm stepping into. I don't know exactly. if I'm going to connect. And then, you know, both yeah. of my parents are from Jamaica. So it's kind of like, even mm -hmm. I have Jamaican okay. food, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, I kind of look at it that way because if we do go back, we're still going to be like placed in something that we have no idea. It's not like we're raised on that that type of cooking, that type of uh, learning, that living, even the morals. Like we just, we would just be in a foreign place. And yeah. so um, I think about that where, you know, and then, so it's crazy. So it's like, okay, we don't have anywhere to go back to because this is where we're from. This is where we were made. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, but they don't even, technically they, because America is white, like they don't even want us here. Right. And it's like, and where do we, we are, go, if, right? If we are okay to be here, we have to be okay to be here within the limits they give us. So, um, yeah exactly yeah so overall yeah i think the goal for me would just to um and even just having them set up right to where you know obviously money can't buy everything but you know you know everything that you need to know for the world to be able to live comfortably um, yeah. i do believe that you know 
you can adjust your lifestyle, even though, you know, because some black people, you know, uh, celebs and rich people can't, avo- can't avoid like what's going on. Um, but they do have the choice to kind of stay at home or, you know, be rich and stay in their fortress or whatever. Um, even though when they come out into the world or in the streets, they're going to be treated like black people. But I think, um, you know, you put yourself in a position to kind of not have to handle it, like face it head on, because if you're living in a public system and, you know, your kid's going to public school and you got to go to the public grocery store and just use everything that they only give to the black community, then you'll feel it more, you know, um, and feel like, dang, like, you know, your friends, I mean, I know tons of black men have died, um, not necessarily the police brutality, but just in general. Um, but it just comes with the territory, right? It's where we come from. It's, it's just what's happening in our neighborhoods and in society. So just just not letting them not, I just don't want this to be a normal to them, you know, <clears throat> because honestly with George Floyd, I thought that that was just about to be a, a death. Like, you know, it was just, we were going to move forward as we do. We've kind of just became accustomed to it. So I don't never want them to feel like, you know, this is normal. Like, that's crazy. Like, you know, and even to where they get to an age where they are understanding what's going on, I don't want them to be worried that their dad, like my wife, she's worried already when I leave the house, you know. I don't want them to be worried, like, oh, my dad going to come home or mm-hmm. you okay? And it's, just, it's a lot. And I think for me, as being out there, I don't think about it, but it's crazy for our women and kids to be sitting at home and just, you know, obviously, if they do lose me, that's a whole another topic. But it's to even just be hoping that hold my dad come on, hold my husband come home, boyfriend, whatever. Um, I can't even imagine, you know. So, I, like for me, I just don't want them to have to, you know. Yeah, even like for me, this. I'm always thinking about my nephews, my brothers, mm-hmm. uh, my cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, I just hope that, you know, my nephews, I'm constantly talking to them and being honest, like, you know, how are you keeping your head on a swivel? Um, mm-hmm. you know, how are you approaching a situation? Uh, please watch your tone. Um, please make sure you put the decal for your registration on your license plate. and You don't forget, don't give them a reason to pull you over. Whereas all reality, you don't need a reason to be pulled over if you're a black man. Uh, I don't know. I'm always um, praying over them and uh, speaking over them that they're protected. But at the same time, I can't make that mm-hmm. worry. Because if I worry to the point where I don't live, I'm dying. Um, yeah. uh, Overall, yep. Oh, you gotta have some faith, and I mean, with the faith, um, it'll get you way further than worrying. So mm-hmm. it's easier to just, you know, your belief in God and whatever you believe in, you have to, you know, leave it up to that. But overall, yeah, we have to. I don't, you don't want to worry going through this life like you can't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, um, prayer, a lot of prayer. Yeah, that's exactly what we do over here. That's good. Well, thank you for um, doing this and, you know, bringing a fresh light to fatherhood. And, you know, I love to see Black fathers as well. And with uh, Dear Fathers, I feel like you're always giving an ounce of 
like fatherhood back in a good way. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. You want to tell the people thank where you for having me on? No, I appreciate it. Oh yeah, um, you can follow me at um, my personal is uh, Lamar Johnson Jr. on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but follow most importantly the business page. Um, it's at Dear Fathers, so Dear Dot Fathers on Instagram um, and Dear Fathers on Facebook. Um, and you can visit our website, um, DearFathers.com. And again, like she said, we have the podcast for um, just telling different stories, different angles on fatherhood, just looking at it through a different perspective um, from all dads. Um, whether you have a dad or not, um, we just like to talk about all topics, all black dad stuff. So uh overall like our platform is just based on like uh telling stories in a jokingly way we try to create memes for our followers to kind of you know stay entertained um and then we have different segments um we have like a beyond fatherhood which is like a dating segment with single dads where they kind of you know talk about what they're looking for but they you know they're raising their kids mm -hmm. um we have one thing like we talked about earlier the dads and deliveries come in where dads will kind of break down the delivery room and the stories um the you know that they kind of the experiences that they share from the delivery room um a segment for like it's a married couple called um dear mr and mrs and they'll just be having guests on and kind of talk about and give tips and advice you know from, you know dating and marriage and things that you didn't know before you got married so we just want to be able to kind of give stuff back um, from all angles. Again, like we said, um, from father being black and a, a fatherhood approach and uh, just continue to create content. So yeah, check us out. That's good. Um, my hope for you is that you expand and, you know, there's a Dear Fathers, you know, uh, group or community on the West Coast, Midwest, uh, New York, and then down here in Atlanta. I feel like being able to oh, yeah. rotate those different events with different fathers, I think that's gonna be like the breakdown of the negative stereotypes of black fathers. So I hope to see that for you. For sure. Yeah, we working on it for sure. Um, so basically my, uh, me, I'm in Oakland and other co-founders in Dallas. And then we have roots in St. Louis, so that's where we're from. And then Atlanta, we have a lot of relationships there and family and friends there. So as of now, we're pretty much working out of all these hubs, Oakland, Dallas, St. Louis, um, Atlanta, and then uh, Detroit. Like I got some things there. So uh, we really do. We, we, we're working on events and we're going to kind of do traveling events where we kind of go and do different things like that. But definitely be on the lookout for the expansion we've been up since last september so we haven't even been doing this for a year so um we really trying to grow this and expand like you said so i appreciate you like really like i said having me on and definitely like even just supporting what we're doing that's dope right. you even listen to the podcast man we didn't know we we really didn't expect you know people to really be rocking with it like that but, yeah man um, good yeah, that's good. Thank you for doing this. No problem at all. Thank you guys for supporting Cozy Womb Podcast. My name is Shan. Uh, when you listen, you support. And um, I just want you guys to know that I am thankful and I'm grateful. And when you listen, you support myself, you support my daughters. 
when you buy anything from Cozy Room Shop, you support, and I appreciate it. You could have picked any podcast and you're here. Uh, please visit us on Cozy Room on Facebook, Cozy Room Pod on IG, Cozy Room Pod on Twitter. I would love to hear from you, and um, I hope you guys have another teachable day, another produ- productive day, and um, you just keep keep things in motion. I know things feel very weird right now with this quarantine going on, but we can do it. Peace. Bye. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.